All right, before we begin today's episode, we have to give our Patreon shout-outs. They are our patrons over at Patreon. They're the ones sponsoring our show. And we have Eric Sari, Andy Herbrandt, Paul C., Lauren L., and Nate Hansen. Thank you guys for your contribution and uh, keeping the lights on here in the studio. So, Eric, cue up that music. Hey, welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. Okay, welcome everyone to another episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast, your weekly dose of the Dairy State. We, of course, are your hosts, Eric. And I'm Russ. And uh, today we have a very special episode uh, that is very near and dear uh, to uh, most music fans, uh, and, and and if you've heard just about any album ever, uh, one of them is bound to be uh, produced uh, by the Nevermind man himself, Butch Vig. Holy smokes! I mean, uh, talk talk about a more legendary individual right. uh, when it comes to music, right? So uh, we also have uh, music from American Bandits, which is a band that I could see being produced by oh yeah butchvig at some point you know uh, we have another beer review and another edition of the legendary how many locals you at uh, as well as a great special guest interview that uh, i'm sure you didn't see coming but we definitely have one yeah uh and as always be sure to uh go on to our 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 all of our social media pages and then also the uh, YouTube and uh, Apple podcast stuff. Please rate us, like us, subscribe to us. All that stuff really honestly helps more than you probably know uh, and, and more than we even really knew. Uh, but it is it, it's some sort of an algorithm and all of those little clicks uh, for on the computer system, it all really helps. So. Oh, yeah. And this um, this episode, a five star. Yeah, and this episode's going to be airing on my birthday. Actually, it's been... this is a birthday episode. Holy everyone, smokes. could you believe this? So uh, <clears throat> this episode will be on September twelfth. My birthday is September thirteenth. So uh, yeah, I'm going to be freaking thirty five. Holy shit, man! I mean, I'm getting old, gray. You're old as fuck. I know. I got some wrinkles. I'm getting <laughs> old, dude. And uh, yeah, it's been a crazy. Some. It's been a crazy freaking year too. The last couple of years have just been freaking nuts, man. I mean, I had a job change, going to Mexico like nonstop. I'm glad. I'm done yeah. with that like what a crazy year but man let's just keep this podcast rolling and keep doing great things you know and and you know the the five people that we mentioned sort of at the top of the episode Huge. um they they're they're you know their their contribution really does help uh keep everything turning here so uh hey if you want to learn more about the patreon or uh check out our t public which are all things that really help kind of keep things turning here uh, just go to our website, which is wisconsindrunkenhistory.com. Um, you can find everything that we have there, as well as listen to uh, new episodes. Uh, most of the time we have those posted same day as the episodes launch. 
uh, it's a little bit behind sometimes with uh, the release onto Apple Podcasts and Spotify and uh, Google stuff. So um, if it's not posted same day, it'll definitely be posted next day. And uh, hey, if you don't have uh, the, the money but you are really loving this podcast and you really like what we do. Uh, word of mouth is also one Huge. of the best pieces of marketing uh, that, that we can possibly get a, a, a quick share of an episode onto your social media page uh, could be just as uh, advantageous as uh, uh, anything else. So, yeah. and not, not share the music, <clears throat> right? Like, yeah, you not share. Yeah. Yeah. Also actually not share. share. Right? Yeah. Um, actually share the damn thing. Right? Yeah. Okay. Share the damn thing. Not C H E R the damn thing. All right. God Oof. that we, we avoided a real disaster. Oh here. yeah. We did. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's, uh, let's just jump into the, uh, the main segment here. We're talking about Butch fucking vig yeah i mean how can you sum up a legend like this in a small episode well i had to do the best i could yeah, right so we can't so let's just end the episode now yeah let's just <laughs> see you guys next week so uh me and my co-hosts are both massive fans of music and of course the legend butch vig um he was born right here in the great state of wisconsin and we had to have him on this show Viroqua. yes sir as we dive in so born August 2nd, 1955, Brian David Vig in Verroca, Wisconsin, to father Dr. Deverne and Betty Vig, who was a music teacher in the area and would influence him greatly. He was one of three kids and his brothers, Chris and sister Lisa. His mother would push him to take up music and would go on to originally study piano for six years. But this was not this would not last long after he witnessed a concert by the who and uh, who doesn't love the who. Right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that like influenced a lot of people to play drums, right? And uh, he, he saw, you know, the Who perform on the Smother Brothers and immediately switched directions and switched over to drums and would purchase his first kit for $60. And this is where it all begins, the whole legend of Butch Vig. He would go on to college at the University of Wisconsin, enrolled to study film direction. While attending college, he would meet future band member Steve Marker. And he is actually one of the founding members, uh, along with Butch Vig, of Garbage. Gar yeah, Garbage. They just released a new album. Yeah, they did. Pretty good, actually. It's really good. Early in his music career, Vig would create electronic music for low-budget films like Slumber Party and other Hollywood B-movies. Vig also would join a number of garage bands in the Madison area, including Eclipse, and in 1978 would form the band Spooner, with Duke Erickson, another member of Garbage. In 1979, he would help set up the first studio in Steve Marker's basement and would start their first small label, Boat Records. They would go on to record Spooner, along with 20 other local acts during the time. This was his experimental and learning experience, which led him to our next our next little topic here. This led him to create Smart Studios in 1984, which is legendary in Madison, yeah. Wisconsin, along with Steve Marker. And during this time, he was a taxi driver in Madison, as well as a drummer in the band Spooner. Spooner began to lose a bit of traction and instead started some side projects, um, First Person and Firetown. Firetown like, started becoming a priority in his life and gaining traction and securing their first album signed to Atlantic Records which is probably one of the largest ones yeah, today. Yeah, I don't know I don't know exactly you know how how big Atlantic Records was then but now I mean it's it's one of the bigger ones. It's huge. 
And this was where in the studio, he started to pick up techniques, including processing and post-production. Mm. Firetown would eventually split and Vig would go on to reform Spooner for one last album before Vig would go full-time into his production career. And this is where the legend of Butch Vig is created. And in 1991, during the peak, early part of the grunge era, he would start to record some high-profile candidates, which you're probably going to recognize. Mm-hmm. This was Nirvana's Nevermind and Smashing Pumpkins Gish, some of the two most legendary albums of that period. Absolutely. I mean, just two super iconic albums for two major bands. Oh, huge. I mean, Smashing Pumpkins, I mean, it wasn't on Gish, but the other one he recorded, Siamese Dream, uh, Mayonnaise, was one of my favorite songs growing up. Yeah. That song is one of my favorite songs of all time. Just super good. My aunt went to went, went to high school with uh, um, Billy Corgan. Oh, no way. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they were both... Uh, in the same class, uh, you know, uh, in Illinois somewhere. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll think of the school here in a minute, but yeah. And they both would become some of the best-selling records of all time. These albums would include all the techniques that he had learned, including overdubbing and vocal double tracking. And Cobain uh, initially resisted the idea and didn't want to sound like all the mainstream stuff at the time. But Big would go on. Uh, Vig would. Big. What? <laughs> huge. Smokes. Today's huge rough. Huge would go on. Today's rough. <laughs> he, he, would, he would convince him simply by stating that John Lennon double tracked. And Col- Cobain would later go on to state that Vig recorded the album perfectly. And this led him eventually to be known as the Nevermind Man. Because that was probably one of the best selling albums of all time. Uh, yeah. Still probably is. Yeah. Except for that kid now who's like suing him. The little, yeah, what the heck is going on with that? I mean, he showed his he showed his little dink dink, and now yeah. he's like suing. Don't Holy put smoke. your cock on an album cover. Is what you he, he's probably just mad because his penis is still that tiny, and he's yeah, like swimming around. Same size. It hasn't changed much. So, uh, and he would go on to record some of the most influential albums in this period, including Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream, which is one of my favorite albums, as stated before. Yep. Sonic Youth, Dirty, huge, and yep. Experimental Jet Set, Trash, and No Star. Yep. In the mid-90s, after all the success, he wanted to start playing music again and formed the band Garbage with his past friends, as mentioned before. And part of the reason, he said, he stated, part of the reason why I started Garbage was that by the time I had done Nevermind, I had recorded, I swear to God, a thousand bands that were just guitar, bass, and drums. Mm-hmm. I was reading about all these other record records that I was getting excited about, uh, like Public Enemy, using a sampler in the studio, and I just decided I wanted to start doing a bit of a U-turn. Which kind of with garbage he did a little yeah, bit. Of that, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I would imagine that uh, after years of recording the same exact you know bands essentially uh, day after day, you start to want to uh, put new stuff you know in in the songs. And, oh yeah. And you can't you can't tell a band to use a sampler if they don't use one. You know, uh, if they don't want to use a drum machine, they don't want to use a drum machine. And think about like the '90s music; none of it had like atmospheric in it like it does today, right? I There's mean, no... especially not the grunge shit. Yeah, it was just like it was guitar, bass, drums, yeah. and just hard. <laughs> very, very much so. And uh, Steve Marker, Vig, and Erickson would go on to hire Scottish singer Shirley Manson, and this is what I in. in and this is what I'm like, this is where the dubbing, the hit machine came in, right? From 95 to 96, a string of massive hits were created with Butch Vig, including Stupid Girl and Only Happy When It Rains. And you're probably going to recognize these songs. If you don't, I don't know where you've been. Yeah, I mean, hey, these are just two very, very radio-friendly, iconic songs. Yeah. I mean, just this like the over, like the overdubbing. Um, 
pour your misery down. Just so good. I mean, like just overlapping that and making it repeat with right. like double tracking. It's just incredible. And the debut album, self-titled, was a huge hit and took off, selling 4 million copies and going double platinum. In 1998, the band put out version 2.0 and again went on to match success. Garbage was huge at the time. Yeah. And uh, Garbage, even during this time, had the th- uh, theme song in the 19th Bond movie, The World Is Not Enough. In 2001, the band would record their third album, Beautiful Garbage, and unlike the others, did not meet up to the success as the others. And the band sort of disbanded in 2003. They would go on to regroup again to put out an, the, another album, Bleed Like Me, in 2005, which actually did do a little bit better. Sure. Uh, but the flame would kind of burn out, and all of them kind of wanted to pursue their own personal interests. Um, and the band always continued to record stuff and even released the Greatest Hits album and other albums and that never did as large, but added to their discography, including Not Your Kind of People and Strange Little Birds. But Butch would all still continue music uh, and would continue to play and formed other bands over the years. And in 2011, he started a band, The Emperors of Wyoming, and in 2017 would debut another musical interest called Five Billion Diamonds. And I know, Gartley, we were just talking before the episode about Garbage releasing another album, and it's actually really good. It's super good. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, um, a new release, I think, just uh, within the last maybe month. And they... Uh, they're they're playing a song on heavy rotation uh, right now on eighty eight nine. Oh, nice. uh, from the new garbage album. Sweet, yeah, I, and you know it's it's crazy, but it's like those two, those first two, man. I I even had a copy of them actually because I yeah. loved garbage. Yeah. And over his entire career, he has recorded some of the most influential music in my life, including the Goo Goo Dolls, which I love the Goo Goo Dolls. I don't care what anyone says, man. Yeah, the Boy I mean, Named Goo was just like one of the best albums. Such such an incredible uh, uh, set of talent there. Uh, I, I mean, I know you and I both. We we had these albums and we uh, we still listen to them today. We sort of cherish that sound. It's just the weird tunings of guitars, like just experimenting. Oh, like that's why I love the Goo Goo, especially dolls. with Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, and of course other bands, including um, Against Me. Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, The Subways, Sonic Youth, Soul Asylum, gra- uh, Garbage, of course, Foo Fighters. I mean, th- what can I say about Foo Fighters? I mean, yeah. it's just huge. Silver Sun Pickups, Jimmy Eat World, Muse, and Green Day, just to name a few. And if you want to learn more, obviously, we can't include everything in this episode. There's a lot of information about Butch Vig. Summing this down into a 15-minute episode is never easy. I'm going to be honest with you. Even a lot of all these episodes we put together. I was just going to say, I mean... I- whether we're talking about Butch Vig or you know uh, some inventor from Wisconsin's yeah. uh, uh, awesome uh, you know illustrious history, it, it doesn't really matter. It's it's tough to to kind of boil these things down to their basics in order to to keep the episode somewhat manageable for <laughs> yeah. them to listen to. But but Butch Vig and and I'm sure you have more to talk about here. Oh, but tons. um, Butch Vig to me is is uh, you know, some of my more uh, formidable years uh, of listening to music and and becoming uh, uh, just a person, and and so he's he's deeply ingrained in everything that I am because of the the music that I was listening to, you know, growing up, and uh, more recently, and and I'll just sort of say this quickly, but um, he he worked with Foo Fighters on uh, a couple of very huge projects, in my opinion. Uh, number one, the album Wasted Light. Um, oh, yeah. 
the uh, wasting light is it, 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 so it won rock album of the year. I, I don't know if it was uh, deeper than that, but uh, and 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 that was recorded in uh, Dave Grohl's garage uh, by Butch Vig uh, using you know tape machines and and the real methods of recording that that you know rock bands know from you know the 50s, 60s, 70s. You know the 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 real way of doing it, not computers. You know and uh, the the second thing was Sonic uh, uh, Sonic Highways. Um, now I, I don't think that album got as much credit as it's due, uh, but that's also I think in part uh, due to uh, people not having HBO. And the reason yeah, why I yeah. mention HBO is because it was a documentary as much as it was an album. Uh, you know, individuals were encouraged to watch the episodes. Uh, on HBO because each song was recorded in a new city and each city has its own flair. Uh, so they talk about in one of the episodes like Chicago, uh, the, the music industry in Chicago, uh, how it got started, how all of these musicians made their way to Chicago because none of them were born there. Right. Uh, they all made their way there eventually. And, and the city had its own, uh, way of of expressing itself through the musicians, and that's the kind of story that they tell. And then they also record at a very iconic recording studio in each one of those cities. Uh, uh, Electric Audio, I think it's called, uh, um, <clears throat> with another uh, iconic Nirvana uh, uh, individual, Steve Albini. Oh yeah, he owns the studio in Chicago, in which. Uh, Butch Vig and and Foo Fighters recorded in uh, in this you know episode. So actually, I, what's crazy is one of our friends Mike recorded there with one he, of these bands. I mean, Steve Albini has been like, and Steve Albini is another one of those guys that like, I mean, he could have his own uh, uh, episode on whatever podcast uh, you know is from whatever city he's from. You know, um, just an absolutely iconic individual with. Uh, records to uh, show you everything that he's about, you know, without ever even playing on the, you know, the record. I think it's it's really neat, you know, w w how we talked about Butch Vig. He he produced a lot of these albums, so he's not actually playing on them. But you get a sense of who that person is just by listening to uh, the, their their credits there. Yeah, exactly. And like I was going to state next is, uh, I mean, Butch Vig is probably one of the main reasons why I picked up an instrument because of these legendary, the music of the 90s. Yeah. I mean, I started on bass and then I uh, started playing drums and then I got on guitar, which it's nice to be able to play all three because sometimes you can go back and overdub something, you know, on a yeah. track, which is nice to know how to I do, do none of the instruments well. I just do them all at like a mediocre level. Yeah, and I know how to read notes. I mean, yeah, I'm not an expert player, but I know how to read sheet music and you know all the oh. stuff was all from school and I, I don't even know how to do that if, if you call out a note i know which note you need me to play and stuff like that i mean yeah maybe i'm not obviously a virtuoso but i can play rhythm guitar i can play yeah. bass and i can play drums and keep that rhythm going for somebody who can play lead which that's huge. another thing i know like two scales i don't know like a million like everyone else yeah. so like a lot of our friends do it's pretty wild so I do owe a lot of influence um, f uh, on my life from Butch Vig, and I'm proud that he's a Wisconsinite. Amazing, yeah. Uh, uh, like like we've sort of summed up here in the last just two minutes of of the podcast. It's uh, 
thank you, Butch Vig, for uh, being an absolutely uh, influential individual and creating some of the best music that uh, we've we've heard yet. And that's going to conclude our main segment today. Now on to the music segment. All right. So as promised, we are on to our music segment. Um, this one is awesome. really fun. This, like we said before, we got the cream of the crop, baby. Yeah, uh, bands that we think could easily be produced by uh, and sound awesome um, by Butch Vig. Uh, this one, I mean, yeah, uh, absolutely amazing. Um, Getting hints of like post hardcore, post punk a yeah. little bit. Um, so, I'm, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say the the band is is American Bandit. Uh, they're from the Milwaukee area. Um, they're sort of in that post-hardcore, post-punk, um, just good, all around good rock music. And, uh, um, the, the track itself, um, that we had sort of talked to them about using was, uh, it's, it's actually a cover that they did of a Ty Verde song, uh, called Drugs. And, uh, I, the, I guess the reason why I, I chose this one is, um, it's just such a an amazing version, uh, it, which it will help if you go back and you listen to Ty Verdes uh, and, and his version of drugs. But this one uh, just really, f- I mean, it rips, man. And oh, yeah. and and the original song's okay. It's um, it, it it's it's an all right, you know, uh, tune. It it it's um, it's fun. It's it's uh, I think. You know the original is is more of a, um, an acoustic slash rap kind of thing that goes on, um, but the, the way that that American Bandit does it, it's just it rips, man. The music video is really awesome. It too. is. It's really good. They're wearing the big heads, uh, like panda animals. panda and, yeah. and horse heads and stuff from like Walmart or whatever. Um, it, this this version I think is a, in, in a great representation of what American Bandit can do. Uh, for a song that's already good, yeah. Um, and, and then obviously their um, their original music that they write and record is, I mean, just off the charts cool. I I I really like this band. Uh, I think that they're going to uh, continue to make amazing music and and hopefully go nothing but north of uh, of you know this kind of uh, success that they've already had. North right to the UP, baby. That's north right to the UP. All right. So again, this is American Bandit Drugs. This week, I don't want to tell my dad he'll call me weak. I don't want to be the blackest of the sheep, missing their call every single week. I don't want to say, sometimes I do. Drugs, not hard ones, just ones that change my mind.
Oh, for Christ's sake, that, that was, was awesome. Good. Holy smokes. American Bandits, uh, Drugs. Uh, again, that one was a, a cover. Uh, like we said, Ty Verdes, uh, you've heard his music on the pop charts. Uh, he's an absolutely uh, amazing artist. But I think, in my personal opinion, whatever it's worth, American Bandits did that song so much justice. Yeah. Like I said uh, before, in, in sort of my... Uh, uh, un, uh, unpackaging of this whole thing. Um, American Bandits, uh, they took a song that originally was good, but it was plain. It was kind of uh, mellow, and, and they, they made it be something that, I like I said, I think is just absolutely phenomenal. So um, check them out. They're from Milwaukee. Uh, they are all over uh, Spotify and all that stuff. Uh, buy their album or, or songs if you can afford to. Uh, if not, maybe they're going to be playing somewhere that uh, that you are able to go to and actually see a show. Uh, I, I know that they are good live. I have seen them at least once uh, on some of the bills uh, in Milwaukee, but um, check them out. They're absolutely amazing. Now we have a beautiful beer review, uh, and uh, this one is... A classic. The, the reason why we're throwing in, in this one now is because it's sort of the end of summer. Um, every year, Russ's birthday sort of brings on the fall. Um, it's generally the start of Oktoberfest right at this point in time, uh, kind of that mid, uh, mid-September, early September, mid-September. And uh, this one is a, a Lining Kugel's classic. Yeah, so the Burr months are my favorite, honestly. I love September, October, Absolutely. November. are always my favorite. Even December is pretty awesome. And this is kind of a follow-up, too, because we just had uh, Katie Leininkugel come on the show. And uh, obviously this one's the classic summer. We're drinking the Leininkugel Summer Shandy, right? Yeah, we are. And uh, this one is coming in at 4.2% ABV. And the IBU is pretty low again, 11. So, you know, there's no Drinkability is high on yeah. this. And if you don't know what a shandy or sometimes referred to as a Rattler, it is a beer with a fruit flavor or fruit-infused beer. Right. And uh, this one specifically is uh, their own unique take on a Frank, Franz uh, Kugler's original Munich Tavern tradition in Germany. And, uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite summer beers. And uh, today it's a little chilly this morning, and uh, I still sip in one of these bad boys before summer ends here. And, yeah, you um, you called and woke me up today, in fact. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I had a fantasy football draft yesterday, um, and, th- and it was, you know, my normal big one. It's the one I've been in this league for uh, over a decade now, and uh, the, the core base of guys – uh, includes Nate Hansen, our really good friend of the show, uh, and just really awesome dude in general. Uh, Hansen Screen Printing, if you haven't checked them out. If you need stuff printed, uh, we use Nate Hansen for a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. All of our banners. Uh, he created uh, the logo for the uh, the studio here. Uh, we record in uh, Project Cape Studio. And uh, just uh, it, this beer alone brings back so many memories uh, of, of um, summer concert series and, and stuff. It just, I love it. It's it's such a good drinkable beer. Yeah, and so it has, a, obviously, the hint of the lemonade flavor uh, kind of coming in subtly. You're getting that Weiss, which is like a wheat beer flavor as well on top of it. And the lemonade isn't strong. It's just coming through with a hint. Yes. Um, this one pours really clear. Um, it's a golden, golden color. Uh, nice head on it when it pours. 
one of my one of my favorites, obviously, is Summertime. It's another just Wisconsin classic. And uh, yeah. if you haven't tried it, you got to. Um, and actually, this beer in 2012, um, the Summer Shandy actually won the silver medal at the Great American Beer Festival in oh, the wow. fruit wheat beer category, which is pretty impressive, right? Cause it there's, is. There's hundreds of thousands of beers entered into that. I was so. just gonna say it's the the you know the the amount of entries uh, in all of these different categories for these beers is countless. Uh, I mean, these people are probably getting absolutely drunk by trying all these beers. So uh, to, to, to say that, you know, the summer Shandy won a silver medal is amazing. It, it, that speaks largely uh, uh, to the, the great flavor and, and the careful brewing that goes into this. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you're not getting with the bittering units, you're not getting a lot of that, uh, hop flavor. And actually, you know what, this one is more of a malt upfront beer. It's not, obviously you're not getting a really bitter, like an IPA or something. So you're getting right. more of the maltiness with the hint of the lemonade. And obviously, what can I say this doesn't pair with? But, I mean, based on their website, I mean, they say like barbecue chicken, fruit salads, watermelon, yeah. you know, anything you're going to have at your grill, basically. And this one pairs with anything. I mean, I, I've... I, tater tots. Yeah. And, and summer eat, shandy. Anything pairs I've well with so this. so many tater tots with this beer. And I, <laughs> I mean, anything. You can eat anything this will pair with it because it's so you know light. I, you know what I really like uh, in the summer and, and that I didn't have any of uh, this summer, but... Uh, cucumber salad. Oh yeah, that's you good. a big fan of that. Yes, yeah, like nice and fresh taste. It is kind of fresca. Yeah, if you will. Yeah, it's you good. could zest a lemon uh, oh, right on the top of that, and it and it's absolutely phenomenal. And and like you said, this beer, whatever you're eating, just sort of enhances uh, the the yeah. the whole get up. You know, and, and for me, it's uh you know going out to the grill, wrapping up that fish fillet with some lemon uh, pepper, letting that sucker just slow cook on your grill. Yeah. And with one of these, like the tastes are, they're identical, right? Like yeah. they match perfectly. It's one of my favorite things that you drink with us, uh, to have with a summer shandy. Um, but what can I say? I mean, you know, summer shandy, you can find it anywhere, right? Yeah. You can go to, you can go to Piggly Wiggly, Schnucks, uh, Sendix. You're, yeah. you're going to find this beer. It's legendary. You can probably just look like under your rug. There's probably a summer shandy hanging out somewhere (laughs) in your couch. Check your couch cushions. It's in there. (laughs) But you know, this, this one too, it's, it's, uh, it's not just Wisconsin, right? It's not like a new Glarus beer where you can get this one pretty much anywhere, anywhere in the United States, wherever distribution of lining kugels is at. I believe it is still uh, a seasonal release though. In, in theory. Yeah. Um, some stores might still have like cases left over and stuff, but like, uh, as far as when they're released and when they're brewed, I believe it still is technically a seasonal release. And I actually don't know. I, I haven't seen this in a very long time, but it's one of my favorite Lining Kugel's beers was uh, Sunset Wheat. Yeah. I don't. I haven't seen that in a long time, but that used to be one of my go-to like summer beers. Had like a, like a Fruity Pebbles back taste to it. It was yeah. just one of my favorite beers, and I haven't seen it in a while. So, Katie Lining Kugel, if you can let us know if that one's coming back. I, I miss that beer a lot. Yeah. And, you, hey, feel free to, to rebrand the Sunset Wheat as the uh, Wisconsin Drunken History Wheat or something. Yeah, if you want to, yeah, throw our logo on that sucker. <laughs> We'd love, I mean, I love that beer. This so. is a delicious tasting beer, uh, and and I, I'm assuming that every single one of the listeners has had at least one or maybe 300 of these. Uh, but hey, this is just to serve as sort of a reminder that it exists and it is absolutely delicious. Uh, enjoy one with us. Grab a seat, gather Join us for a chat. How many logos you 
All right. All right, folks. Wow. We know what that means. Holy smoke, it's how many locos you have. So um, this one is uh, uh, just a a crazy story and uh, should probably never happen but yeah in this things because the article like it doesn't have a lot of detail in it but we're going to kind of go over and give a a little take on some things here so yeah in fact um you know uh we have a a, a kind of a personal story that uh goes along with this uh that well not not goes along with but um but so we'll just jump right in here um the the article uh title is lacrosse man pees in aisle of quick trip before getting his fifth dui um so the police were tipped off to a drunk guy at the gas station uh, quick trip on uh, george street because he urinated in the candy aisle before leaving in his chevy trailblazer holy smokes he's gonna grab a baby ruth but he took a squeege beforehand holy <laughs> yeah. cow so that's literally all that we have. You know, you know what's funny too is like, I, I so here's how I found these articles. So like, quick trip DUI. You should see how many popped up. It's like, how could how could these people desecrate what is the legend of Wisconsin quick trip? Right. I mean, it's like in this a, article huge, calling it a gas station. It's not. It's, Come it's, on. It's a sacred temple. This is a sacred temple of quick trip. I know. This is the KT baby. Yeah, you don't mess around in KT. You don't call it a gas station that's doing it complete injustice um so i'll i'll go ahead and share a uh, a quick uh, real life story and and <laughs> then you and i will give our sure, uh, sure. impression of what this man getting his fifth ui was uh, so this happened back in i believe uh 2013 uh i went to the packers game against the arizona cardinals and this was Early in in the Packers season in 2013, so probably like within uh, uh, the first couple games because this was November, and I went with my friend Lucas Reamer, and uh, we had drank a a considerable uh, amount of beer before we went in. Uh, we each had like our case of beer, or whatever that we brought of whatever flavor we enjoyed at the time, and um. So we drank, you know, almost the entire case of of beer each and uh, went in to the game and both had numerous beers in the stadium. And then when we left, uh, as uh, a lot of people uh, know, the the, the parking lots there, uh, especially when you're parked in someone's front yard like we were, they take a little bit of time. Somebody who's parked in front of you uh, hasn't gotten out there yet and all that stuff, so you can't even move. So we were back at the truck and 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 we still had some beers left. So I was finishing off uh, both my case. I was finishing off his case because he wasn't going to drink anymore before we got on the road. Uh, and uh, you know, about an hour maybe passed before we were able to to actually take off. Now this was a noon game, so yeah. like we're maybe this is about five o'clock now, and we're going to be making our way back to Milwaukee, uh, where I was living at the time, and. Um, we, we got on the road and I immediately, as soon as we got like basically on the highway was like, I got to piss, <laughs> I got to piss bad. Like this is, this is a no joke situation and the traffic, uh, is always bumper to bumper until you get to like that one area, uh, maybe like 
Richfield or something like yeah. that where all the traffic kind of splits and goes, you know, the people that need to go west, you know, this way and people that are still heading south go this way. And this was far before that point. We were Oof. just on the road. And uh, uh, so I was like, dude, the next turnoff, you've got to take the exit because I have to piss. So we made it to a gas station, just some mobile, you know, gas station. And I'm, I, as soon as I walk in, I see, I witness two girls go into the men's room. So, and, 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 uh, the, the women's, I saw them test the women's room handle and it was was no go. So they headed into the men's room. I'm standing there waiting for one of those two bathrooms to, to break up. As soon as I see a door open, I'm going to march in there and piss everywhere. (laughs) It didn't happen. Oh, man. Nobody opened up a door. Those girls were taking a number two. So I am standing on the rug outside of the bathroom near, like, the map rack. And I am just standing there with my legs shaking. And neither one of the doors opened. And then all of a sudden, my body was like, can't hold it anymore, man. It's done. And I started pissing my pants uncontrollably into my boot. Nice. Gnarly, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never once, uh, as an adult, uh, been standing in, in just a spot and, and my body was like, Pete, now you're peeing. Never had that. This happened. Holy and and smoke. it's so that mobile who's desecrated with <laughs> I may have pee. pissed all over that rug. I'm not really sure what the hell Hopefully happened. Hopefully it absorbed a little bit. So Yeah. So um but it doesn't sound like the article is telling me that this guy uh, uncontrollably was whizzing his pants. No, I feel was... like he actually pulled his, you know, dinger out and just started pissing in the candy and was like, <laughs> this is the bathroom now. And that's a fifth DUI. Yeah. And he's a lacrosse man. Uh, fifth DUI. We don't have an age. We don't have actually a lot of details. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, to, to pull out your ding ding. I mean, you have to have some balls, right? And to, piss in the snicker aisle. Yeah. <laughs> Grabbing a couple of Reese's cups and yeah. just letting her rip. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, I think I have some sort of a figure I, I here. I think I got a decent number, too. And, I, and I, again, we're really just basing this off of the fact that this is his fifth. Right, so he has some tolerance and, yeah. you know, so he, he's probably a little bit up there, you know. Yeah. So do you want to um, go on three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You count it off. Three, two, one. Eight. 12. I was thinking 12. Maybe a little higher. We'll I was meet in the middle. Little, yeah, I was, let's go with a 10 local a 10 on this. Local. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know what? Wisconsinites, don't pee in your local quick trip. No. Um, they are like sacred ground for us, right? You can go to a BP. You can go to a mobile. Don't go to a mobile. Piss anywhere you want. Yeah, pee in them. We don't care about those. Quick but trip our, is our not quick the trip place. is like sacred ground. I mean, yeah. whether it comes to uh, chicken sandwiches to the uh, mushroom Swiss Angus, one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, egg rolls and you can't, cheesy spuds. What did we just try last time, though? Jalapeno poppers. The jalapeno Holy poppers. Holy smokes. Those they didn't good. even have a, um, uh, a barcode for it. No, they had to like, create new. a new sticker for it. And they were actually spicy. Like they, they were, were good. crazy spicy. Yeah. Immediately, I bit into that thing and I had the hiccups. So. You're like, this is hot. Yeah. So. Um, ten loco. Uh, like we said, don't piss in the quick trip. All right, we're here with the legendary Ryan from Bloomers Brewery in Bloomers, Wisconsin. How you doing, Ryan? Hey, doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on yeah, and spending your Sunday on. with us. We love it. Um, so we were going to ask you, um, how did you guys get your start at Bloomers? Well, you know, it kind of dates back to early 2000. 
Um, I actually started home brewing while I was going to college at the University of Wisconsin Platteville. And I just got introduced to home brewing by some guys that were doing it in their dorm rooms. And we later started doing it in the garages. And it just kind of grew from there. Uh, so we originally just started from home brewing. Uh, I eventually, my professional career eventually took me to Florida, where I still continue to homebrew. And uh, once, uh, when visiting me, my dad finally started to get interested. He he realized I was making this beer, and uh, he brewed with me. And next thing you know, he got hooked, and he actually <laughs> cool. brought it home and started. He kind of took it to the next level. The next thing you know, I'm talking to him, and he says, "Yeah, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna open a tap room and and, and build a bigger system." <laughs> Okay. That's so awesome. Kind of how I got the, the wheels on the ground. So awesome. Hey, and and sometimes that's all it takes. It's just you know, one of one of you has to have that sort of push to <laughs> yeah. to to just make it like that that leap. You know, and uh, that's right. It, it, I mean, it's an absolutely phenomenal story because uh, you know Russ and I we we did the home brewing thing for a while and. Uh, neither one of us really made that push. We talked about it for a minute. talking about it but, every day, but it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's cool. We made some really great beers that, hey, at least it got us drunk for a while. <laughs> yep, yep. That's. I think most guys who are in it originally started in, in the homebrew. At, at least most of the, your brewers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, you, so you went to Platteville. Did you ever, right. did you ever jump off the bridge into the river? No, I never did that. Okay, because that's <laughs> like one of the first times I ever went to Platteville. That's exactly what they did. I, all of a sudden, I'm I'm there, and I'm you know dressed in my polo shirt and my uh, shorts, you know, cargo shorts or whatever. And everybody's like, "Oh, let's go to the bridge and we'll jump into the river." And I was like, "I don't think so," but I watched everybody do it. And then I I visited the the teak house frequently. Uh, oh yeah. I, I mean, I had some really cool times at Platteville. That's for sure. That was a that was a good party house, teak house. You had farmhouse, farmhouse. Was oh farmhouse. yeah, farmhouse. Yep. And and uh, and then man, during my tenure here, we 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 threw a, a the occasional great house party or two as well. <laughs> awesome. I love it. So Ryan, um, is there any brews we need to keep our eye out from Bloomers that you're recommending us try out? Yeah, you bet there is. Um, most of these are available just in the tap room, but there is a few that are out in distribution in the in the local Eau Claire area. But okay. the new stuff that we've got coming out right now, uh, we just released our Oktoberfest not too long ago. That's a fantastic, uh, medium-bodied, everything you'd expect from an Oktoberfest, you know, good malty lager. Um, then this fall, we're, right now we're transitioning, getting ready to brew our, our fall and winter seasonal beers. So we just brewed our hog breath which is a smoky maple bacon brown ale. Ooh, holy um, smokes. That's right, really good. We've also got that bourbon uh, aging in a bourbon barrel, which is going to be getting uncast and kegged at the end of October. So we've had that in there for a year. That's been aging in a Woodford Reserve bourbon barrel. Ooh, nice. Um, that's right. We've uh, we've also got a spiced lager that we come out with about early November time frame. It's, a, it's an amber spiced lager. We spice it with nutmeg. That's really tasty. Uh, and then we've also, we're brewing our, our Bach and our Stout again, making some little adjustments to them. But uh, really good uh, fall and winter seasonal beers are, are kind of coming right around the corner now. Yeah, that nutmeg one would be great during, uh, like, the Thanksgiving feast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's really Amazing. good. Amazing. We, yeah. We, we also take that beer, and then uh, I always keep a couple extra kegs aside, and we... We give it a little 
shot of some uh, peppermint. Oh, yeah. and, and if you come up to the tap room, you can mix that with our s'more beer, and it tastes just like uh, the Girl Scout Thin Mint cookies when you mix them together. That's a pretty good little shot there. I'm in. You sold. You sold me. I'm, <laughs> yep. I'm in. So. And, yeah, it's nice. I love those heavy beers, especially this time of year. They just kind of warm you up. It's like drinking oil. You're like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's where it's at. That's right. You need it a little bit more, you know. And yep, it's if you wake up in the mornings are a little cool. It's starting. I'm starting to feel the transition from sour to dark. Yeah, exactly. You need a little higher viscosity <laughs> running right. through your bones, you know. <laughs> Tem W Stout. Yeah, that's what we're going yeah. for. That's right. So, and then we were going to ask too. Um, is there any events we need to keep an eye out for bloomers? I know this like last year has just been weird, but yeah. uh, we're just going to see if there's anything coming up. We can come visit you guys. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what. Uh, the next one is next Saturday, September 11th. Um, this is a huge one. We're doing free beer. We're calling the event Free Beer for Freedom. There's going to be free beer, no no strings attached, no gimmick. You come on up, and you can drink free beer from 1 to 5. And this whole event is being sponsored by Valiant Roofing. Now, these guys are out of, uh, they're out of the Twin Cities. I believe they're out of Woodbury. And they recently replaced a ton of roofs right around the bloomer area here and they did pretty good financially and they approached us and said hey we want to give back to the community we want to sponsor a big party and event so this is what they came up with awesome Um, they're doing free beer and for every beer we pour they're making donations to the wounded warrior project so that's oh i love it huge event so what what more can you ask for you come on up you have free beer and then for drinking a beer money gets donated to the wounded warrior project i love it yeah absolutely um i mean that like you said that is an absolutely amazing uh uh charitable thing i love it um and and i i don't know that that russ and i will be up there but i guarantee we're going to be drinking a uh, a beer in spirit you bet you betcha yeah, it's a uh, it's it's nice that our uh, Minnesota Vikings brothers are helping us out over here too. So uh, I know with the uh, Packer divisions there, but <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, uh, before we let you go, too, we ask our guests about eight questions to find out how Wisconsin are you? Uh, are you ready for this one? Oh boy, I hope I am. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> All right, so. If we're making a um, a beer brat, is there a beer from Bloomers we have to try to use in our beer brat? Oh, no doubt. You, you have to use the Oktoberfest. That's the only way to, to cook a brat. Yeah. Sounds good. It's like a little bit of amber in there. Oh, yeah. And that's that's what's nice is I've yeah. used Oktoberfests uh, uh, in my beer, in my brats before, and it absolutely does. It changes uh, the dynamic just ever so slightly, and it makes it so much tastier. Yeah, another good one too. I actually cooked some uh, brats in a sour beer as well too. That was that was interesting. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So next one we have for you. Have you ever tailgated at a Brewers, Packers, or a Badgers game, or all three? All three, baby. Oh, the trifecta. It's been a while since we had a trifecta. We haven't had a trifecta on here in a long time, so this is pretty impressive. You're hitting the cycle. Hey, I'll throw a fourth one in there, too. I tailgated at a bunch of uh, UW Pioneer football games as well, too. The Quattro. The old Platteville Pioneers, baby. (laughs) The Quat. All right, so the the next one we got for you. um, Have you ever been to Summerfest, and uh, do you have a memorable band you've seen at Summerfest? Oh, my God. you're gonna kill me. I've never been to Summerfest. Well, I've how about how about Vegas State Fair? Park. State Fair, I've been to. Yes. Okay. Do you have a memorable band you saw at the State Fair? 
You know, I'm I'm more keen to the old '70s rock bands. I saw Tom Petty down there oh, once at the State Fair years, years ago. I think that was probably my favorite memory from down there. Yeah, I think that might have been the only time I went to the State Fair. Yeah, State Fair is uh, it's a staple, and uh, and mostly just for the the fried food. But every once in a while, like you said, they get a good listing for bands, and 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 I mean. You know, I avoid Summerfest at all costs these days, <laughs> but the State Fair, for some reason, it, it 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 keeps getting me. You know. Oh yeah. When when they, when those cream puffs come a call in every year, right? Whatever they put on a stick, man, I'm in. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> all right. So the next one we got. Um. So this is gonna be interesting. Um. From the Eau Claire area, uh, what do you guys consider to be up north in Eau Claire? Well, I grew up in Bloomer. To me, up north is when you get north of Highway 64. And, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. When I was a kid growing up, going to the lakes, camping, fishing, hunting uh, in, in northern Wisconsin, it always seemed like as soon as you got north of Highway 64, if you were tall enough to put money on the bar, they would serve you whatever you asked. Hell yeah. He, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I'll high five to that. All right. So we got two more for you. Um have you ever been to a supper club? And is there one you recommend our uh, audience go and check out? Oh, gosh. Who hasn't been to a supper club? Right. Mm. I try to go and get Friday night fish as often as I can. Yes. Around me, around me, my favorite one is, is called uh, Old Abe's. And okay. It's fantastic. It's right here, kind of Chippewa, Jim Falls area. It's kind of a hole-in-the-wall place. You know, it's one that's been around forever. And when you when you pull up to it, it looks like it used to be an old trailer house or something that's been added on to a number of times and yeah <laughs> it's that classic wisconsin supper club that's been around probably since 1950 it's dark as hell the only thing that's light in the room is a candle a dimly <laughs> yeah. lit candle at, yeah, at best yeah the the, the glow carpet of, the, glow of, uh, old in the, <laughs> the carpet reeks of beer and uh uh old cheddar and uh you got the the relish bar in the corner i absolutely love it i, I tell you what there is nothing more romantic than a, a supper club. I just absolutely love everything about it. Oh, yeah. Those dark wood walls, taxidermy. There might actually bet. be a hole in the wall. There might. But they're hanging there, a there picture in front of it. There might be carpet on the wall, too. They're, they're probably you, you carpet on know. the wall. You never know. Yeah, we got so much extra carpet, let's just put it on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for the acoustics. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps the ambiance in the restaurant. Exactly. So. Yeah. So the last one we got for you, and this is always a tough one when we're talking to a brewery owner. Um, obviously, besides Bloomer, which we're going to come and check out soon, is there another brewery tour, um, tap room, or anything you recommend our listeners go and visit? And it doesn't have to be just in Wisconsin, Right, too. it could be over in the Twin Cities or something, too. Yeah. Um, I, I don't get over to the cities too often, I, I, I regret. There are a number of them that I really want to check out. Around me... I would recommend Moon Ridge Brewing Company. They're in Cornell. I know Roger really well. He's a really good guy. Awesome. He's got some fantastic beers. And another new one that's kind of sprung up within the last couple of years is Heart of the North. Now, they're okay. in Ladysmith. They're a, they're a small – they're brewing on a really small system. But they put out some really good beers, and their tap room is inside – it's actually inside a greenhouse. So it's like a whole glass oh, – wow greenhouse wow. it's a really cool place they got a really cool outside those two are really awesome near me uh i'd say the coolest one i've been to out of state 
uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, I've been to one called Wicked Barley. That's a really cool place. It's right alongside the St. John's River. They've got a really cool outside area, awesome beers, really cool place. Nice. So, Ryan, since you've been in Florida, have you had a chance to go and check out Cigar City? Everyone talks Cigar City up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tampa, I've spent some time in Tampa, Cigar City, but I haven't been to Cigar City Brewing Company now. Okay. Um, I've had a lot of their beers in Florida, but I haven't I haven't been there. Another really good one in Florida, actually, my in-laws live in Cape Canaveral. Okay. There's one really close by there called Playa Linda. And wow, they are phenomenal. They've got a they've got just an awesome variety of beers. They're right kind of on the space coast. They're probably the best one right around that. With probably within about a fifty mile radius of, of uh, Cape Canaveral. There, that's a really good one. But no, awesome. I haven't I haven't made it to Cigar City yet, unfortunately. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. Yeah, we can't wait to make it up to Bloomers. Uh, thank you for your time on this Sunday. Hey, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Cheers, Ryan. Cheers, and and have a great rest of your holiday weekend. Absolutely. You guys, too. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening. And remember, as always, watch out for deer on your way home.